Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest talks to us about contending for and engaging in revival. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Woohoo! Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this is a scripture that says, let your light so shine, Matthew 5, 16, that men may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. So we're going to be talking about exporting the light of God into the community. And it's in the context of contending for and engaging in revival. So I want to give you a little background. I want to share my heart this morning. I want to let you know where we're coming from here at Faith Life Fellowship. Uh, What's in mine and Trisha's heart concerning this church? Really, our whole reason for being here. I'm going to give you an explanation of why we're here and what it is that's driving us to grow and prosper this church. Amen? In the summer of 2011, the Lord began dealing with me about reconnecting with my spiritual roots here in the state of North Carolina. And Trisha and I, we were happy where we were. I was a college professor of engineering, making six figures as a technology center director. And she was helping me fulfill a dual assignment that I had as the director of a two-year Bible school at Word of Life Center in Shreveport, Louisiana. She was my school administrator and I was the director and life was good. We were completely fulfilled in our lives and in doing what we felt like God had called us to do. And to be honest with you, we would have been content to continue to be the Bible school directors until Jesus came for us. Amen. Or we went to be with him, whichever came first. But The call to return home to North Carolina just kept getting stronger and stronger. And in the summer of 2015, after 30 years away from our home state, we walked away from everything we loved in obedience to the Lord to come back here to North Carolina and pastor here in Wilmington. And the Lord gave us a dual mandate for what became Faith Life Fellowship. Since I was used to dual mandates, the Lord made it clear to me that we were to raise up a strong local church with two main charges. Number one, to preach God's word boldly. And number two, to pursue his presence passionately. Furthermore, our church was to fulfill a twofold purpose. Number one, to prepare for revival, and number two, to house the fruits of revival. If you prepare for revival, you're preparing for people to get saved in large numbers. Amen? So when people get saved in large numbers, they need a church they can go to where they can be discipled and learn to go out there and be fruitful workers for the Lord. Amen? All right, so number one, We are to prepare for revival here. And number two, we are to house the fruits of revival here. That's why we're building this place up. That's why we're upfitting the way that we are. Keeping in mind that our church is not the only church that's called to do this. 
So soon after we arrived here in North Carolina, we started to run into people who had similar stories of being supernaturally drawn from all over the United States to eastern North Carolina. And although the circumstances and the timing were different, they all had the same awareness that it was God who was drawing them back to this place because God wants to do something great in eastern North Carolina. Can I have an amen? So it wasn't too long after we got here that someone brought me a prophecy that absolutely captivated my heart. And I knew the minute I read it that this is why we were drawn by the Holy Spirit to return here to our spiritual roots in North Carolina and raise up this church. I want to read you this prophecy and use it as a launch point to let you know what I believe God is asking our church to do in 2019 to prepare for this great wave of revival. His name was Derek Prince. He's gone on to be with the Lord. He was a British man. I believe he was um, Cambridge educated, but he was a tongue-talking, spirit-filled man of God. And as a young boy, I grew up in the Episcopal Church. I was half English. My mother's English. I was immediately drawn to him, and he was sort of a childhood hero of mine, Derek Prince, because here he was speaking with this eloquent English accent, and yet he was a tongue talker. I'm like, my kind of man, amen, hallelujah. On Sunday, April 6, 1975, that's over 40 years ago, at about 9 p.m., At Deliverance Evangelistic Temple in Jacksonville, Derek Prince prophesied the following over eastern North Carolina. I want to read it to you verbatim so I don't get it wrong. I have found favor with you in eastern North Carolina. I will personally visit you. There will be a great revival, greater than the great revival in Wales at the turn of the century. People will come from north and south, east and west, Kings and leaders will come to study the Eastern Carolina phenomenon. Can I get an amen? Amen. So then came a confirmation a few months later, actually four months later. I take that back. I'm a little ahead of myself. There was a confirmation that began that was four months in the making. It'll make sense when I read it. Immediately as Derek Prince ended, someone in the middle of the congregation of the approximately 1,200 people present, holding his Bible up in the air, and he was yelling, I've got something, I've got something. He started to read loudly, Zephaniah 2.6, and the seacoast shall have dwellings, cottages for shepherds, and folds for flocks. Now, I know you're saying, what? (laughs) What does that mean? Well, stay with me. Four months later. In August of 1975, at a dinner meeting of the Onslow County Full Gospel Businessmen at King's Restaurant on Gum Branch Road between Richlands and Jacksonville, Dr. Charles Woodhouse, M.D., was speaking. I don't know how to tell you this, but I don't have anything to tell you tonight. I've been wrestling with the Lord for two weeks, asking him to give me what he wanted to tell you. He hasn't given me anything. This afternoon, as I was praying in my bedroom at the guest house where I'm staying, I got angry with God for not giving me anything and told him I was going to open the Bible and I was going to tell you whatever I open to, and that is what I'm going to tell you. I said, Zephaniah, who is he? 
What did he ever do? I read the first chapter and didn't see anything. I started on the second chapter and there it was. Verse six. And the seacoast shall have dwellings, cottages for shepherds and folds for flocks. Today, as I flew over Emerald Isle on my way to land, I somehow felt that the Lord had found favor with you here in eastern North Carolina, that he was going to visit you. It was a very powerful confirmation. This guy, later on, they determined that Dr. Woodhouse knew nothing of the word that was given by Derek Prince four months earlier and was completely undone when he heard the prophecy. Now, let me break it down for you so you know how awesome this really is, why it captivated my heart. I knew immediately what the Lord was saying. Here's what the prophecy says to me. God will visit eastern North Carolina with a revival that will eclipse the Welsh revival at the turn of the 20th century. Let me put it in perspective for you. Let me give you a little revival history. In one year, from 1904 to 1905, God raised up a 25-year-old preacher named Evan Roberts in the tiny country of Wales, and he sparked a revival in which 150,000 people gave their life to Jesus in just one year. Now, consider the fact that even today, the total population of Wales is only 3 million. Back then, this was a significant percentage of the population. So many people got saved that the crime rate in the cities started dropping. In one of the largest cities in Wales, they had an average of 70 criminal cases a week that they had to deal with. During this revival, it went from 70 a week to two a week. The police force started leaving the station and going to the revival meetings. They formed quartets. They sang in the choir because there was nothing else for them to do. So revival is more than just getting people saved. It's stopping the drug trafficking. It's doing something about the opioid crisis. It's affecting the community in a positive way. That's what real revival looks like. Amen. People's hearts are changed so they don't do bad things anymore. And it can transform a community. That's what I'm believing God for here in Wilmington. Amen. Now, he preached only two things. I love this. Number one, sinners need to get saved. And number two, saints need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I love that. Point number one, if you're a sinner, get saved right now. Point number two, if you're a believer, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Hallelujah. Say it, Pentecostal. Glory to God. Now, getting back to the passage from Zephaniah, which seemed kind of cryptic even to me at first, but I did a little digging. It says, and the seacoast shall have dwellings, cottages for shepherds, and folds for flocks. And I meditated on it, and I meditated on it, and I meditated on it until the Lord spoke this to me. This is what it says to me. Shepherds or pastors who are drawn here to raise up churches and prepare for this revival will find houses for their families to live in. Number two, buildings will be found or built that will house these churches and house the flocks of sheep that will be swept into the kingdom as a result of this great revival. Amen. Glory to God. 
Now I want to share what the Lord has shown me since we've come to Eastern North Carolina. Listen, Derek Prince is not the only person that's talking about revival. There are people, prophets and, and preachers all over the world who are prophesying a third great awakening starting in America. Amen. They call it the third great awakening. Sometimes they call it the third wave. And I'm letting you know our part is going to be here in Eastern North Carolina. Amen. December 27th, 2015. I was standing on the beach in a vision and I saw a huge wave forming out to sea. Although I have shared this before and and I've told you that the the wave was at least 100 feet high. It could have been twice that or more. It was such an enormous wave. And as the wave came to me, I had just a fleeting thought. Should I be afraid? Because there's no outrun in this wave. It's going to hit me. It's going to crash over me. There's nothing I can do. I am not that fast. I can't outrun this wave. And finally, I, I heard the Lord speak to me on the inside. He said, this is a spiritual wave. You have nothing to be afraid of. And then I embraced it. I put my hands in the air and I was like, Lord, let it crash over me. I'm ready. So I'm standing there and the wave begins to curl and I'm in I'm in the tube, you know, like the surfers, they ride the tube. I'm in the tube as this thing curls over the top of me and gets ready to crash on me. And then I was transported from the beach to the back of our house, looking out our back storm window. My cat, his name is Gray. Gray was sitting at the doormat, looking out the storm door as well, through the window. And I just noticed that Gray was there, and I looked up as the spray of this humongous wave, of this tremendous wave, began to envelop the house. And then I just sat up straight in the bed, and I was like, oh, my Lord, what was that? It was startling. It was like one of those moments where you go, (gasps) I sat up, and I said, Lord, what was that? He said, there's a wave coming and you need to be ready for it. I said, Lord, I'm ready for it. Whatever I need to do to prepare my heart for this thing, whatever I need to do in this thing, you let me know because I've seen it. December 27th, 2015. About six or seven months later, see, December 27th, 2015 to June 17th, 2016. I believe that is right at six months, just shy of six months. Did I do my math right? I'm laying in the bed. And this vision started with hearing things before I saw things. I call it an audio vision because it starts with audio and then the visual is added. I heard a man's voice calling out to me. This was about six o'clock in the morning, laying in the bed with my wife. I heard a man's voice calling out to me. I heard it audibly. He said, help us. Help us. It sounded like he was down in the bottom of a well. I turned to Trish to see if she heard the voice. I even, you know, rustled her. She, I said, did you hear that? Did you hear that? She's like, what are you talking about? I'm going back to sleep. So I laid my head back down. And a few minutes later, I heard the same voice again. He said, help us. Help us. Our church. Our church. And so for many months, I set about to figure out which church in town it was that needed my help. Needless to say, I did not interpret it correctly. 
It took me a while to come to this, but I finally realized that God was saying, I'm calling you to this area to help the church of Wilmington. Your church is going to be a part of the church of Wilmington, and you need to do your part to help this city redig old wells and dig new wells. You see, the man was in the bottom of a dried up well. Remember in Genesis chapter 26, where the enemy uh, covered up all the wells that Abraham had uh, dug, and his son Isaac had to go around and redig all the wells. He not only redug wells, but he also dug new wells. Well, redigging old wells and digging new wells, it's a type of revival waters flowing. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, all right, okay. So it finally dawned on me that I was only one pastor and Faith Life Fellowship was only one church, one church of many that would be raised up to prepare for this great revival. Now, I'm going through these visions because I never have laid these out in sequence in public before. I've told people separately and groups separately, but I really felt compelled to just lay it out to show you how it unfolded in my heart. The last one I share with you is called Carolina Will Come, August 1st, 2016. So only a few months after the Help Our Church vision, I had this vision. In this vision, I was standing in the front of the sanctuary of our old facility in Monkey Junction. A man walked through the wall to my left and began to talk to me. He looked to be middle-aged, had dark brown hair, and he had silver in his hair that looked like lightning streaks. Very, very prominent. Very respectable looking. Very much looked like a man that was full of wisdom. And in my spirit, I was aware that this man had a lot of knowledge about the presence of God. You know, and I felt like almost everything that you could know about the presence of God, he would know it. Well, wouldn't you know, that's what he started talking to me about. He said, Pastor, I'm here because the presence of God that you've been cultivating in this place has begun to saturate your building and it's seeping through the walls and touching people's lives in the surrounding community. It's even going in to some of the nearby churches. Boy, he had my attention after that. I was captivated. I looked him eye to eye. Then he exhorted me to continue to pursue the presence in our church. And he ended the visitation by saying this. He said emphatically, Carolina will come for the presence. Now do you get a feel for why we are so adamant and so passionate about pursuing the presence in this place? It's a mandate that was given to us by the Lord. Amen. So with all that in mind, all that history and all that the Lord has shown others in visions and words and shown me in visions and words, uh, how do we put that in perspective? So in 2019, how can we prepare as a church and as individuals for this coming great revival that the Lord has shown me and the Lord has shown others? Well, the Lord gave me two basic things we can do. It's basic, it's fundamental, but I believe it's a driving vision that we can follow. Two things we can do to prepare for revival. Number one, contend for revival. What do I mean by that? Spend time both corporately and privately praying for and contending for revival in our churches, in our region, and in our nation. Amen? 
We need to pray in even what God has promised. Amen. You know, Daniel was reading the book of Jeremiah. They'd come to the end of their captivity. He knew that they would soon be returning to their land. But he began to pray and fast that it would happen, even though it was prophesied. Amen. Even though you receive a word from the Lord, you need to pray it in. You need to cultivate it. You need to get in your spirit and you need to act on it. Amen. So you can contend for revival by praying for revival. And then number two, engaging in revival. What do I mean by that? Well, we don't have to wait for the wave to hit. We can get out in front of it. Amen. We can take the gospel right now into places where it's not easily taken into or in places that the churches have forgotten. Hospitals, prisons, nursing homes, rehab centers, homeless communities. We can do that now. We don't have to wait for a signal. We don't have to wait for some heavenly pistol to be fired. We can do that now. Amen. So while we're contending for revival, we can be engaging in revival. And that's what we're going to do in this church in 2019. The Lord put it to me like this last night. You need to be an exporter of light to your world. You need to be an exporter of light to your world. When a nation imports more goods and services than it exports, it creates what they call a trade deficit. And that's not ideal for the national economy. Currently, the United States has the largest trade deficit in the world. In 2017, it was $566 billion. That means we're importing $566 billion more goods and services than we're exporting. And that's not good for the economy. Now, thank God it's beginning to change. And it needs to change. Likewise, it's not an exact analogy, but if we consider light to be a commodity and the church to be holders of that light, I think it would be safe to say that we are net importers of light. We bring light into our church and we bless one another with the light that we have in our midst. And that's okay. The Bible says... We need to worship together, bask in His light, build one another up in the faith. That's okay. But it's not okay if that's all you do. It's not okay if that's all you do. It's just come and have a bless me club. You know, bless one another and walk out the door when there are dying, hurting people out there that need the light of God in their lives. So I say we need to balance our light trade deficit in the church. By importing light and then exporting that light out into the dark and hopeless places in our community. This is the blueprint for healthy, sustainable church growth. Not just here, but in any church. We need to start exporting our light. Amen? Taking our light into our world. Matthew five sixteen. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, by your righteous and holy deeds, by the way you conduct yourself in your community, in your circle of influence, you can shine a light into people's lives that they've never seen before. Amen? Glory to God. 
Glory to God. Take your light into your world, your workplace, your school, your circle of influence. Take your light into hospitals, prisons, homeless camps where desperation and lack of hope abound. Take your light to your family members, even the ones you tend to avoid because they're so ornery. Take your light to them anyway. Walk in love and shine God's light onto their heart. Amen. And if you do, the Bible says this is what will happen. Isaiah 60 verse 1 through 5. Fabulous passage of scripture. This is the church rising up in light and bring in revival. Just stay with me. Verse 1. Arise, shine, for thy light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Now, I don't think I'd get any arguments when I say it's getting pretty dark out there. I mean, the Supreme Court, with no basis in law whatsoever, just decided to say it's okay for men to marry men and women to marry women. What's next? interspecies marriage man and dog i mean where do you draw the line god said marriage was between a man and a woman and that's the way we should preserve the institution of marriage okay so darkness overtook the supreme court and they made a horrible ruling the same can be said about roe v wade we're up to 60 million babies that have been slaughtered in the womb since 1973 And it grieves the heart of God. It grieves my heart. The womb should be the safest place on planet earth. And yet sometimes it's like a war zone. And there are people that are so clouded with the spirit of Antichrist that they think it's okay to go in and chop up a baby piece by piece and then pull the parts out. They're okay with that. Because it's not a baby till I say it's a baby. It's not a baby if I don't want it grieves the heart of God. Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned. It is going to be overturned. It's probably going to be returned to the states, and then states will decide what they'll do about abortion. And I predict there will be states that will choose death and not life. And those states will not prosper like the states that chose life. I predict that there will be regions of darkness, but as the prophet says, There will also be regions of light. Amen. Even though the darkness threatens to overtake us, the Bible says the light of God will shine on his people. That's you and me. That's the church. And the Gentiles, that word there means nations. Actually, if you break it down, it means ethnic groups, language groups. And if you look at all the ethnic groups and language groups within the nations as subsets of the nations, you have 2,200 ethnic slash language groups in the world, most of whom have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, if you'll shine your light in the darkness, that the ethnic groups all over this planet will come to that light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. 
Lift up thine eyes round about and see. All they gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy son shall come from far and thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. Your sons and daughters will come to that light. That's talking about your kinfolk. Even your kinfolk, the ones that you avoid, they'll come to your light if you'll take the trouble and go walk in love with them and spend time in their presence anyway even though they're ornery, and let your light shine on them, the Bible says your kin will come to that light. And then verse 5, Then thou shalt see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance, that actually sounds bad, but it means your heart will be so excited, it's almost like, your, your heartbeat will beat out of your chest. You'll be so excited. Then thou shalt see and flow together and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged because the abundance of the sea. That's talking about the unsaved masses of the world because the unsaved masses shall be converted unto thee. The forces or the wealth of the nations shall come unto thee. Amen. There will be revival like the world has never seen. Amen. All those 2,200 ethnic language groups, they'll all begin to come to Jesus because people are taking their light out there all over the world and shining that light in the midst of the darkness. Glory to God. Glory to God. This is the vision that we need to get for Faith Life Fellowship. This is the vision we need to get for Eastern North Carolina. I've said this before about Derek Prince's prophecy, and I'll say it again. I'm a military guy. I'm into acronyms. Eastern Carolina Phenomenon. To me, that's an ECP. Okay? I declare Wilming to be ground zero for the ECP. Amen? The Eastern Carolina Phenomena. Let the bomb go off right here. At Faith Life Fellowship. Let us be the place of detonation. If we need to take the lead in this city to lead people into this, I'm willing to do it. Amen. Or if we're to join other leaders, I'm okay with that. But I'm ready for revival. I'm ready to take the light into the communities where darkness reigns and dispel the darkness and increase the light. Listen, if we export light, light will beget more light and then more light will come into the church. It's a win-win. So I want to challenge Faith Life Fellowship based on everything I've shared this morning. I shared my heart. I want to challenge Faith Life Fellowship this morning to become exporters of light, not just importers of light. Take your light into your world and see what happens. See what God will do. Pray for the people you know are in need in your circle of influence. Pray for them. Speak a word of encouragement to those that are discouraged. Invite people to come to church with you. you. Want this church to double overnight? Bring one person, everyone, bring just one person to church. It will double overnight. Don't be afraid. I know the Holy Ghost moves here and sometimes it weirds people out. But you know what? It's going to draw more people than it repels. I promise you. I promise you. And listen, if you've got an idea of how we as a church can take our light out into this community, come let us know. I'm open to all ideas. I don't have all the answers. And somebody came up to us a couple of days ago and said, you know, why don't we start a prayer program where we pray for the churches in Wilmington and let them know 
we're praying for you. What what do you what's your what are your needs? How can we pray for you? And I said, she said, do you need to pray about it? I'm like, no, just do it. Do it. Awesome idea. Need more like that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In 2019, we're going to be launching outreaches into the community. And we're going to need your help. Here at Faith Life Fellowship, we're going to contend for and engage in revival. It's time we went outside the four walls of this church. It's just past time, okay? And we're going to remember the reason we're here. We're going to export light into our community and watch what God will do. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message titled, Contending for and Engaging in Revival. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. <laughs>